Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on Patrick Reed's WGC Mexico win and ask whether the Premier Golf League will ever get off the ground. And welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark, and I am joined today by Nick Bonfield. Hi, Nick. Hi, Claza. And Elliot Heath. Good afternoon, gentlemen. So Elliot Heath, is, I don't know if you've seen Elliot or Nick, a picture of them, but Elliot is about half the size of Nick, and I always get a bit worried because I have to share a microphone, and Nick gets a little bit sharp elbows, don't you? Do I? Yeah. Uh, well, to be fair, I don't think your elbows are that sharp, are they? They're probably quite, no, quite, quite, quite rounded. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Your words, not mine. Um, so, yeah, I can already see that Nick's really looking forward. You know, he's, he's very much forward in his seat. Primed and ready for Elbows action, on the table, whereas Elliot is lurking in the background somewhere. So hopefully you can hear him both fine. I'm sure you will. Uh, any golf? Over the wet and wild weekend? Nope, not for me. Although I think Elliot had quite a special round, didn't you, Elliot? Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. You predicted I had, was going to have 29 points, didn't you, Knight? I believe so, yeah. <laughs> you proved me wrong. Come on, let's get, give a background. For people who didn't hear last week, what happened at the weekend? I'll tell you what happened at the weekend. Well, that's why I've asked. Heath yeah. is back in the winner's circle. <laughs> uh, for I, the first time since 2012. You know, we were talking about me shooting under par. Yes. Recently. I shot... Under par slightly. You didn't shoot under par. The standard scratch was seventy two. Yeah. And I betted it by one to shoot seventy one. Yeah, but you didn't shoot under par. Let's You're not falling anywhere. Let's that, let's on. get this right. Come on. So at the weekend, what was the tournament? The monthly Stableford. And how many people were playing it? it Around hundred and twenty people. Wow, okay, hundred and twenty field. Uh, at what golf course is this? Uh, West Byfleet Golf Club. Excellent. Who, any who's the most Sorry. famous member at West Byfleet Golf Club? Uh, Dame Laura Davies. Exactly. So you know it's a hell of a course. And you um tore up you know, the top of the field tore up, everyone showed you showed them how to play golf, did you? Basically. It was uh it was a tough day. It was really, really tough. Um, <laughs> winds of I reckon 15-20 mile an hour for anyone who didn't realise what that was that was Elliot pretending to be Graham McDowell but go on please, please. Uh, I think it was actually Tiger Woods but oh was it, it oh, <laughs> was it not Ty- Graham McDowell pretending to be Tiger something like that exactly yeah but after 12 holes right in winds of 15-20 to 20 mile an hour I was two under par gross bogey free <laughs> and so, so as ever you choked didn't you I hit a lovely shot into the 13th <laughs> which was too much club uh, and then Basically, after my birdie on the second hole, I was just nervous for the entire round. I know you always say I'm mentally weak, but I a- actually am. It's incredible. Like I made a bogey on 13, first of the day, and from then on, all I could see was danger. Every single shot. In fairness, it's a difficult stretch, isn't it? Excuse my fat elbows. Sorry, as I muscle in here. Uh, it's quite a tough stretch. So, you know, talking about Elliot, have you just gone in on to Elliot's story? I was here? about to defend him. It's a very difficult stretch, the golf course, 14 to 16. I have been a member there myself for several years. I'm not currently, but I was true? in my younger years. Yeah, it's a tough stretch. Is, that like, 16, is this uh, like the same story that you play rugby because you once played rugby at school when you were 14? N- no, this isn't the same at all. <laughs> uh, you're the one who refused to scrum down with me. So. That's uh, something which shouldn't be said on the podcast. Um, anyway, but 15 and 16 are two very difficult back to back. Stop, stop. No one wants to hear this. No. But yeah, exactly. Stop budging in. Come on, stop, Elliot. Um, so what happened? Come on. What? You're budging in the winner's press conference here, mate. <laughs> Exactly. Um, <laughs> trying to defend you. Last time I tried to defend you for choking. Jeez. Um, what well said. Doubled the fifteenth. That was quite silly. I was just too <laughs> nervous to hit a golf shot. Really, 
16 I bogeyed, 17 I part, and then I hit the three iron of my life into the last. Had 10 foot for eagle, hit a really good putt so I can't complain, and it just finished behind the hole. Tapped in for birdie, 40 points, new handicap. 40? Yeah. I didn't realise it was 40. Uh, new 40 f- points? Yeah. No, well, I, hope you, I hope you got a handicap. Uh, new career low, oh. 4.3. Wowzers. So I could potentially do my PGA now and become a professional. <laughs> So, Ian Poulter style. Yeah, so <laughs> I might be losing my amateur status quite soon. I think you're going to be fine. You're going to go to a broken par. You're going to turn pro now. Can't hit it more than 230 yards. He's never broken par, but he's going to turn pro. So uh, I, I think from that, it's a very interesting um, little summary of that round. And also, I think that really does sum up your golf and actually you've given a great insight into your mental thoughts on the course and I reckon it's very similar to a lot of people when, when 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 you think about it the the big prize that you want is to break par yeah so that's the thing that you're really after that's the thing what you're trying to do and instead of embracing the opportunity and thinking wow this is amazing I can actually do it and really enjoying it you are just quite literally going through your pants aren't you so like 99.9% of people who play golf though yeah I know well well, yeah no absolutely not just that but not just people you're who really pl- not just people not well just people who play it's not just people who play uh, golf I say it's actually anyone who plays sport mm. so everyone who plays football you want to score a goal when you get a chance to go through one on one with a goalie everyone goes ah oh, what happens if I miss if you're playing cricket, I obviously play a lot of cricket. Everyone wants to score 50 or 100 or take a catch or whatever. You, that's why you play the game, yeah? But when it comes down to it, suddenly it's like, what happens if I fail? Because actually, you've got to go out and then you've got to go out and enjoy it and go, look, this is a great chance. When's the next chance that I could do this? Might never happen again. I might get hit by a bus tomorrow or break my leg or, you know, whatever. It's tough in golf, isn't it? Because you have so much time to think between shots. Yeah. At least in football, if you go through one and one probably instinct's going to take over there but whereas in golf you, you hit a shot and then you're not hitting another shot for five minutes same with cricket so I think it's more difficult in those sports yeah. when you're chasing down a master oh no it's uh, absolutely but it's, um, it's I think a lot of people listening will actually have been in maybe similar situations and had same issues it's the same if you start start well on a, a round of golf you think, oh, I could do well here. If you start badly on the first hole, you think, oh, I'm going to have a drift around. Well, actually, you know, you've got lots of diff- lots of opportunities to play really well. So, 40 points down to four. Wowzers. Yeah, so um, going back to that, so I got to two under, and then from e- from then on in, every single birdie putt I had, I'm literally just thinking, just don't hit it four foot past. If it's short, it doesn't matter. We'll tap it in for par. And then coming back down the stretch, as Nigel would know at West Byfleet, you've got the train line down the left, and it's just, don't hook it. Don't hook it. So it's such a mental so would, game, but it's such a challenge. It wouldn't, it wouldn't suit my shot shape. Is what uh, I did clean out my house or my flat on Sunday. Found Bob Rotella. Golf is not a game perfect. So I'm going to read that again. And if only you'd uh, you'd seen that on Saturday morning. <laughs> well, good. Well, I've been you. That and also that's the thing. Although you're saying, oh, I didn't hit your milestone. You did hit a milestone. You actually won that competition. So hit. You know what do they say? Aim for the stars because you might. Reach the moon. Is that what they say? I don't something know. Something that like makes that. sense. Something In like fairness that. to you, you did say a few podcasts ago that this was going to be your best ever season, and it started very strongly. So yeah, I know. But next week, next week, he'll say he's, he's giving up golf again. That's what he usually does. So I think you're going to go from. Well, very excited. So when's your next ma- next match? 
The uh, road to being a professional golfer, as was our new segment. I'm basically there now. Um, I've got <laughs> a doubles match on... No, sorry. A competition on Saturday, handicap, and then a first round of the doubles on Sunday. And is the course playing all right in the weather? It's playing long, yeah. But it's, You weren't it's playing it's temporary fine. greens with like... No. With massive holes. No? All, all 18 greens on? Yeah. No. Fair, do you know what? Fair play to your green because there's an awful lot of people who will be listening who haven't looked at a golf course in an awfully long time and some which are actually completely underwater. So, uh, oh, well. We're well, on that sorry bagshot sand. So, you know, you've got, well, got to thank the ground. Yeah, it must that. be playing very long though because three on into the last, that's what a driver in a seven are normally, isn't it? Or yeah. um, I mean, well, listening to you two talk about how far you don't hit the golf ball is very boring. So I'm going to move on yeah, to uh, to some professional golfers who who did break par and some at the weekend uh, at the WGC Mexico uh, Championship. Patrick Reed, have you ever heard of this guy, Patrick Reed? He won his eighth PGA Tour title with a four under par 67 on Sunday. He made four birdies on the back nine and beat Bryson DeChambeau by one. Reed had just 98 putts for the week and was plus 11.824 in straight game putting, which is an awful lot if people don't understand what that means. Uh, he also had one had 45 one putts for the week, the most by a PJ Tour winner in more than 30 years. He moves up to eighth in the world, and the 28-year-old has won the Masters, two WGCs, and eight PJ Tour events in total, and has also, of course, lifted the Ryder Cup. Not a bad career so far. I can't believe he's not 30. I didn't really realise that. Um, now... We've got to say it. Reed obviously has been in the headlines a lot the last couple of weeks, but let's just chat about his golf and how well he played on Sunday. And you know, under a bit of pressure coming into it, a lot of people who have criticised him, he wanted to show them who you know he was going to do the talking on the golf course, and he played really well, didn't he? Exceptional. Yeah, I actually fell asleep for the last. Um... <laughs> <laughs> too, too what a way to go to <laughs> Sorry But it really looked like Bryson DeChambeau was going to win Then Earlier Rahm fell away a little bit McElroy fell away I thought Eric Van Royen was brilliant But fell away as well uh, So fair play It's an absolute world class field that On a very go- on a tough through. golf course Yeah, it was. I really like well, It's one of my favourite tournaments mm. of the year I think because of the course I think I said this last week You know, It's really tight I mean they, I know they do hit it, it Justin Thomas Lost his almost lost his drive because he hit it past eighty yards past the green on the second. Where he, I don't know if you saw it or not, but he hit it so far right that he went onto a path and to a lot of very dry um, ground where the spectators have been, and they it took them ages to find the ball because he hit it so far. Um, it it's a it's a really good golf course, tight greens. The greens themselves don't roll amazingly either, so it's tough to putt on, which means that. Patrick Reed's 45 one putts is quite ridiculous, isn't it? His performance on the front line was so impressive because he was, I mean, he said he played well and he did for the majority of the week, but on the, on the, the start of the, the final round, he didn't at all, actually. I mean, he was constantly relying on his, his chipping and putting to get up and down and not drop a shot. And it must have been very difficult for him to stay, you know, they say stay patient and stay committed to what you're doing whilst he was watching people like Ram and Deshambo ahead of him just making birdies, birdies, birdies all the time. But he stayed in there hung in there got up and down a lot bided his time and then surprisingly a lot of those guys fell back on the back nine and uh, that was his time to surge I think he had four birdies and just Patrick Reed seems to know when to strike at exactly the right time and it was a very impressive performance yeah. but and- I have to say I think that DeChambeau probably threw that one away if you think he was 
when he finished on 17 under par he was 18 under with four holes to play one of which was a par five and then the three holes after that were just wedges for his approach shots and he played them in one over par so he'll be kicking himself yeah I mean DeChambeau um, he's obviously been through a lot of changes on his swing on his body shape actually hasn't he Uh, he, but, but bulked up so so much so he's trying to hit the ball further and further he looks so awkward over his putting I find it almost hard to watch him putt um, and DeChambeau has yeah. got history on throwing away leads where did he throw that away that lead uh, the European Open to yeah. Richard McAvoy yeah he wasn't very happy about that was he and although I don't know if he he wasn't quite as spectacular as that he did obviously leave the door open and Reed was there as you say he Bided his time, wasn't playing great on the front nine, but got up and down from everywhere. And that's that's his game. That's he, what he does. He's the grittiest competitor. Yeah. I mean, there. he's obviously a decent ball striker. Of course he is. Um, but his short game is amazing. That's why he's such a tough match player. Um, that's why he's so good at the Ryder Cup. And why he's done very well at places like Augusta, where you have some very, very tricky situations almost on every hole, whether it's chipping or putting, and uh, he knew how to get it done. So. What, just If I could just interject here, what I thought oh, was please quite, do, please quite do. interesting was that Rahm was four under for his final round through five holes, finished four under, McIlroy three under through six, finished three under, and Bryson played the last four holes and one over, so the pack did come back to him and didn't push on yeah. as you might have expected on the back nine especially when you consider that I think the back nine was playing easier than the front nine throughout the course of the four days yeah but it's not that it's not really that tight there was a, a low score every day in the mm. field but there's not consistent low scores if you think about it like he's won on 18 under so it's like four and a half under par whatever around so it's not that that low uh, but I mean, still the, as we said the way he, he, he made that birdie on 16 where he, he bent his approach around the tree and he, he, he knocked it to tap in distance and then followed that up with a with a birdie on the par three where Bryson had fallen back with a bogey as I said he just knows exactly the right time to strike and he even got away with bogeying up the last to win by one and uh, hats off to him for a great performance I mean I was obviously slightly disappointed by one person's performance in the final round which of course was Justin Thomas I'd tipped him to win uh, quite a big tip as well 10 points and he was leading going into the final round. I really thought he was going to do really well, although obviously it just wasn't his round that day. It wasn't helped by Elliot Heath sitting across the table from me, knowing that one of the rules that we don't do on our Skype chat is that we don't try and jinx the player if they're doing well. And he Skyped me going, oh, Justin Thomas is leading. He, you tipped him. And uh, just as the, he was about to tee off and it didn't go down very well, did it? No, looking there, in, in the top 11 players, he's the only one to have shot over par. Yeah. Uh, he, he just had a bit of a mare, didn't he? So, it yeah, happens. But, it, you know, that happens around there. You know how hard it is to break par, uh, yeah, of course. But, you know, he was he shot 67, 65, six, uh, sorry, 67, 66, 65 in the three rounds before it. So, they were three outstanding performances to, you know, put him in that place. I mean, he still finished sixth. So, with a, with a two over par, 73 in the final round. A so. word on McElroy. Please, please do a word on world number one, Rory McIlroy. Uh, I think he shot six under par in the first round. His putting was like plus three and a half strokes gained or something like that. His putting was minus strokes gained every day after that. And he still only finished four back. So we'll say it again. His ball striking is just on another level. And uh, he really needs to sort his putting out, essentially. Looking down the leaderboard, which we have in it, we have the, the top ten. There's only two players who broke 70 every round. So, three. So, that was Reed, McElroy, and Hatton. So, that's the thing that, you know, Rory is on a different planet. And I know his putting isn't the greatest, but he still is shooting, 
you know, I don't know what his average strokes his, his are. This striking year. is so good that if he has an above average week on the greens, he's going to win by he so far. He wins by so far. He, he averaged, I think, just just positive strokes game putting. But he, as Elliot said, he was negative for the last three rounds. If he just putted average, he would have won this golf tournament. Yeah, but it's but uh, but uh, this week more than any other, you know, you can say. Roy's didn't putt well, but actually, it's the, one of the toughest courses to putt well. It is, it is, because the greens, greens aren't, that, you know, aren't that absolute true. And you know how Patrick Reed did it. I don't know whether he just got lucky or what was going on. He just had it, had it absolutely on a piece of string, didn't he? So just, just on McIlroy, read into this what you will. His scoring average: first, second, third, first, second, third, and fourth rounds. Third, first round, eighth, second round, second, third round, thirty-first, fourth round. So he's so, obviously having some final round issues. So what was that stat again? He's struggling in final rounds. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Was that stroke average? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I Score, mean, scoring average. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to be negative to Roy McIlroy. He's well. We've got. No, a, I, we've got. A, we've got. Wasn't he's world number one there. for the. He's world number one for a reason. He's not going to be world number one for much longer. The way John Rahm's going, unless he's. Whoa! Wait, wait, hang on a minute. Where's this come from? He's not. He's like, so he's suddenly writing Rory off. No, not at all. But John Rahm shot. Around six shots worse shot, than him in the first round. John Rahm shot and then went on one beat. shot better, beat him by one shot at the weekend. So, you know, what's, what's, your, what's your point? John Rahm can what's your putt. Point? What's your point? Yeah, that's my point. John Rahm can putt. John Rahm Mac can putt, so he's beat Rory by one shot. That's what I'm saying. Sorry, that, 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 that doesn't add up. The general theme here is that McIlroy is struggling a little bit on the greens. Let's not get too carried away. A little bit on the greens. He's had six top fives in a row, and if he has, <laughs> I mean, sorry, we're lo- we're looking for we're looking for things which aren't there. Yeah. In my and opinion. I'm loath to criticise him, <laughs> and I'm not criticising him. All I'm saying is that if he finds a good week with the putter, he wins a golf tournament, and it's so hard to do yeah. that with the game as it is at the moment. So hats off to him but, for that but, level. But of also, but also, it's, it, that is also because putting is something that all the pros are pretty decent at. I know some of them are better than others. This week, who was the best putter? Patrick Reed. Yep. Obviously, he had forty-five one putts. He had he was plus eleven point eight. Who won the golf tournament? Patrick Reed. It doesn't matter whether you're Rory or you're Patrick Reed. If you have an outstanding week on the greens, the chances yep. are you're going to win the tournament. But the fact is, that's two consecutive weeks now where McIlroy hasn't won the golf tournament because of his putting. Yeah, where does he finish? Uh, again, I'm not criticising him <laughs> for finishing five, top five six times in a row. And but also, that no, is no, why he hasn't won the last two golf tournaments. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But you can't win every week. And Tiger, you have to. Tiger doesn't didn't win every week when he was but it's at, something when he was the up. best putter in the world in the in the you know at the, at the turn of the century. So, uh, you know, one thing we should say about Roy Roy this week by, by being world number one has now surpassed Sir Nick Faldo's record of 97 weeks as world number one he's now third on the all time list with 98 weeks slightly behind the two people ahead of him Greg Norman 331 weeks and a certain Tiger Woods with 683 weeks so as we say Rory can he put, if he puts better he'd be winning other tournaments yeah we, I think everybody agrees with that but um He's not doing bad for himself, is he? And, and if, he, if, is, if he does, if he has that week at a major, which is what we want to all see, then he's going to blow the field away, isn't yeah. he? As we said last week, it's so impressive that his long game is so automatic. He never seems to have a bad week tee to green. Yeah. So that was his, yeah, as, as I said, sixth top five in a row. That's outrageous, isn't it? Um, 
but yeah, so should we move on? Anything else we want to say about Mexico? I thought, again, like, I just hope that this, it stays there for a good few more years. I don't know whether it will be or not. I don't know. Um, but I think it's just one of those refreshing tournaments, which I hope more the best players in the world play at. Uh, other news. Victor Hovland. Oh, yeah. Do we remember him, Elliot? He's the person that you said was going to be the next big thing, going to make the European Ryder Cup team, even though he'd only just turned pro. He's going to be the next best thing since sliced bread. Well, he won his first PGA Tour title, something which may have gone under the radar for some people because he was at the Puerto Rico Open at the same time as the WGC Mexico. Now, what's bad about this? The Puerto Rico Open is, a bit, is, a, is a bit of a curse because... The stat is that the last everyone who's won there has then never gone on to win another PGA Tour title. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Which is an incredible stat, including Tony Finau. So he's the one who's had well, how many seconds? Twenty or something like that. Seven seconds since he won that event. Oh, I thought it was more than that. No. Oh, since so oh, since that event, yeah, he has had twenty second places or something like that, hasn't he? Surely not. I don't know. Oh well, I've, I'm just making up stats again. But yeah, a massive win for Big Vic, up to 60th in the world from outside the world's top hundred. A brilliant birdie on the last after looking like he gave the tournament away on the 11th hole where he made a triple bogey. He was under a bit of pressure. He was a bit like you, wasn't he? At West Byfleet, but then he manned up to knee on that last green. Yeah. Hold a cracking putt. If you ever, everyone wants to check it out, go search it on Twitter or YouTube. It's yeah, really decent. Commiserations to Josh Teeter, who came second, uh, the journeyman who was essentially in tears at the end of the round after just missing out on his first ever PGA Tour win. Yeah. And uh, any other stats about Big Vic? What's the best stat about Big Vic? He's the first... Oh, yeah. First Norwegian PGA Tour winner in history. Well done, Elliot. What an amazing stat that is. Um, That's t- I, I know, that is pretty amazing. If you're the first person from your country to win yeah, on, no, these, on this that. this huge you know, huge sport, huge uh, tour event, you know, it's... It could be the catalyst for a lot more... You know, he's now 20th on the list, the Ryder Cup points list. He's Oh, hang on, hang on. Elliot's put his finger up in the air. He's he's um, remembering things about Big Vic. It's got him into Bay Hill for the Arnold Palmer Invitational next week, the Players' Championship, the US PGA Championship, and he's got his card until 2022. So a massive, massive thing for him. It gives him the chance now to get into all the majors he hasn't got into masters yet he needs to get into the top 50 the week before the masters so he's got a few weeks to still do that because he's now 60th he's only 10 places away He'll probably do it this week with a top 10 or top 15 i'd imagine uh i don't have top 10 maybe top five top five to top 10 i think if he just wins again that'll that'll do it yeah he's a big chance and he could be someone who's really exciting some a name that you know, still not everybody knows. Not obviously not a household name yet, but one that we really think is being fast tracked to the top of the game, and he's doing that by his, under his own steam. Hopefully, the Puerto Rico Open curse won't strike the Norwegian. Hopefully, yeah. And we picked him for the Ryder Cup team. Didn't when we you last say year when you say we, you did. Did he make our final twelve? Yeah. Wow. How did I let that happen? I don't know. But um, uh, yeah. So great news for him. Um, there are a few other things which have happened. Charles Howell III, now this is a good stat. Charles Howell III has now earned a million dollars for the 20th... Already? He's already made it. It's only, yeah, since, still, it's only February. Yeah, he makes, yeah, he makes so much money. He's a legend. Really. I, always, in December, I, really, I really like Charles well, They call him a walking ATM that they're on tour. Well, well, he's incredible. So he, this is the 20th consecutive season row that he's earned over a million dollars on the PGA Tour. Only Phil Mickelson can better that for consecutive seasons. And I think Phil's done it... 
probably every year. Ever. Probably 25 times. You I, think it, I thought it was 23 or something like that. Maybe I've made that up. I'm making up lots of things today. Um, obviously, he's one of those players who just hasn't won enough. He's, I think he's only won twice, including two November. No, it wasn't last November, was it? Two no, Novembers ago, November on my birthday, when I picked him. Yeah, remember Burnham that we were, Burnham, we were at Burnham and Berra, and we watched Charles Howe third win. What a ledge! Um, and then some other news: Royal Troon is announced at the 2023 Open Championship venue. It will be the club's tenth Open, and it's uh, it's a nice touch, I think, because it's a hundred years after it hosted its first. Uh, who was at Royal Troon? Were you at Royal Troon, Elliot? No, I was, was man that... in the office watching the Farnborough Air Show while you saw all <laughs> exactly. that train. That was the best that was your, of all time. That was, your, <laughs> that was your first year working for Golf Monthly, wasn't Massive it? Massive stitch up. 2016. Uh, it was an incredible open. I was there. Nick was there. Great. We had, a, we had a, how, a rented house that was, what, 500 yards from the first oh, If that. It was ridiculous. It was so close, wasn't it? And um, Troon, we went there... Uh, not really knowing much about the place, and we had a really good time there. Lovely, lovely place up in Scotland. Beautiful beach, isn't there? Beautiful beach. Really we, we, lively town centre. Well, nice there was one particular, which we won't go into too many details about. Uh, but the golf course was amazing. Postage stamp, which we thought, oh, you know, this this little par three will be all right. And it had lots of drama there. And then, of course, the amazing final round, Henry mm. Stenson versus Phil Mickelson. Glorious weather. Um, you get such good access, don't you, being yeah. a member of the media? I mean, I remember sitting on the mound to the left-hand side of the eighth green, just thinking, I can't believe I'm allowed yeah. to sit it here. Was, you know, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was it was a really good time. And, um, yeah, I think we're very happy that coming back. Absolutely, yeah. No we must say, where is Turnberry? When is Turnberry going to get another Open? If it gets the 2024 Open, which is a big if, because again... Because it'll go back to England. Because you think it'll go back to England, it, again, Troon's in Ayrshire, so the chances of it being in Scotland in the same area as Scotland, unlikely. If it was in 2024, as unlikely that is, then that's 15 years since its last one. Yeah, 25 will be Port Rush, I think. 26 will be Murfield. Is it 25 is going to be Port Rush? I think they're going to be Port Rush again. Yeah, they signed on for three, rumour has it. Uh, so then, would it be 26? No, that would be Muirfield. Then it go back to England, 27. Will it be 27? No, well, and we, we've, you've gotten. Um, what about Lytham? Have you said Lytham? Yeah, Lytham. that'll go back there. Lytham hasn't, Lytham hasn't been since 2012. Well, and 12. Yeah. yeah. So, when is. When's, it's, hello? it's basically off it's the gonna road. Be, it's on the road to be. It's on the road. road so, now. if we're looking, maybe. It's going to be 20. 29 or something. It's going to be 20 years since the last Depends one. If, Depends if Donald Trump sells it or not. Well, there is that as well. You know, Donald Trump probably does have a huge effect on if it's gone or not, although they wouldn't say that officially, of course. No. Um, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? We'll find out in November. Is that when the election is? I should know these yeah. things. Yeah, really nice touch, putting it there a century after it first. Yeah, I think... And Troon, I don't think anyone... Everyone who who was there, who managed to get up for Troon for 2016, will remember how amazing it was. So, uh, really good time there now but looking forward to the uh, events for this week there are two uh, the honda classic on the pga tour and also the european tour is back with the oman open the honda classic let's look at that first over in florida the florida swing Kupka headlines as uh, the Florida swing gets underway. The event once again takes place at the PJ National, which actually plays quite hard, doesn't it? It's one of the trickier courses on the season. Uh, last year, Keith Mitchell won. I completely forgot he'd won this. Uh, That's I had a really know, good finish. I, I know it was really amazing, and he beat Kupka by one, didn't he? I think, or was it one or two shots? Yeah, I think he birdied the last. Yeah. Um, this year as well, we've got Kupka, the likes of Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood, Shane Lowry, Victor Hovland. 
Hey, Ben Royan are also paying. And also, you always miss him off because you don't like him, do you? You're Ricky Fowler hater. Oh, yeah, past champion Ricky Fowler. Yeah, playing. yeah. Have you mentioned him? No, no, you haven't mentioned him in your, li- your little blurb here. What about you? Nick Taylor? Is he playing? <laughs> who knows? I'm not sure. But come on, we've got to mention Ricky Fowler. So who's who's the favourites this week? Kupka is the favourite, along with Fleetwood. Fleetwood's book, he's favourite, isn't he? Uh, no, Kupka is. Oh. Uh, and uh, Ricky Fowler as well. Plus $7 million. Not the strongest field, I think, after the WGC. But who do you think is going to do well? Elliot's put his finger up again. He's forgotten the name. Come on, what's his name? What's it begin with? Oh, it's very simple. Eric Van Royen, I was so impressed with him last week. I thought he really delivered playing in the final group or the, the penultimate group. Uh, he just looks the real deal, I think. What do, no his, what do you think of his trousers, though? Awful, but, you know... I've got, <laughs> Who has said exactly that? But I've got nothing Salt. against him wearing them. I think uh, Wayne Riley said that on call, saying his trousers are dreadful. <laughs> But it's a fashion. It's a not fashion. Not sure you find many people who are fans of that within the golf. No, I mean that, that shouldn't stop him from wearing them. You I know. Do there's, your a, thing. there's enough bad fashion which has happened on the golf course over the years, isn't there? Nick, who do you think is going to do well this week? Anyone that you've tipped? I can see some. You've scrolled something on your bit of paper there. I would say I think you mentioned this before that Rose is very good value. Yeah, well, Rose is um, who, I, who I'm going for. He's twenty to one. He hasn't had odds beginning with a two in a while. Uh, he was world number one pretty much about this time last year. He's still world number 13. So. And a, a good chance in a in a slightly weaker field than the tournament would expect as well. But you have to say that's because it comes between the Players' Championship, the Arnold Palmer Invitational and the Mexico. And these top guys aren't playing four tournaments in a row. No, they won't. They, they, some of them will take a week off. And they've probably gone for this one because it's the hardest one, maybe. I should say that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, some people don't particularly like this challenge because it's... Oh, how tough yeah. it is whereas others actually think this actually suits me Kepka for exactly. one he's such a good ball striker he can take this on can't he so. this is Kepka's hometown event as well he's played this since 2012 I think yeah. even in his uh, challenge tour days I think he used to get into it and some, someone else who tends to play very well on difficult golf courses is my tip Billy Horsham coming into the event off the back of two top 10s he's finished ten inside the top 10 twice and inside the top 15 a further time in the last four years very good ball striker as I said good record on difficult golf courses and this week it's about finding fairways and greens because there's a, a lot of water knocking about I think he is Billy Ho as they call him 22 23 to 1 like he's that. actually having looked on the PJ Tour power rankings if anyone checks out that piece of uh, writing he was their number one pick as well so he's very he very much fancied this week someone else i'm going to say emiliano grillo 50 to 1 good finish last uh, week. third last week and eighth at pj national last year mm. so someone to check it out i have got a couple of other people uh, i've tipped as well other than grillo and rose um but to find them out you'll have to go to the golf betting tips on our website so google golf betting tips and click on the golf monthly betting tips post or uh, go to our facebook or twitter and you'll find the links there as i said i had not in bad form having picked a couple of winners and last week i was very excited when Justin thomas was uh, leading but never mind uh, you know he's still a good player um on the European tour, we had the Oman Open, uh, featuring the huge names of the likes of Thomas Peters, Martin Kamer, major winner, Min Woo Lee, not a major winner, 
and Hao Tong Lee. And don't forget Paul Laurie as well, the uh, 1999 Open champion. Um, so and legend. Uh, purse of 1.6 million euros, not a lot. Uh, Kurt Kitayama won last year, so he'll be looking to uh, defend. Oh, no, he's playing at the Honda Classic uh, because there's a lot more money to win over there. Uh, not a great-looking field, but... A huge opportunity, just the same way that Victor Hovland uh, won the Puerto Rico Open last week. Someone's going to win this event, and whoever wins that out of that field, it's going to be a huge thing for them because it could be a big springboard for the rest of the year. Anyone that you think is going to do well? Yes. Oh, hello. There's no research gone into this, but look <laughs> at the odds. <laughs> I quite fancy the look of Nikolai Ho. Hogard, Hodgegaard at 300-1. to 1. He finished second to Garcia at last year's KLM Open. His brother won in Mauritius. They're two of the best talents Europe has, so 300-1, to 1, it's got to be worth a pound each way. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's a great shout, actually. Um, I think someone who's shorter odds than that and is possibly worth backing is Victor Dubuisson. Uh, he played close, well in close personal friend of yours close he? personal friend of mine yes uh, he once interviewed had the pleasure him. of interviewing once and he was uh, he's quite an introvert character but a nice guy uh, just like you interviewed Billy Horschel I love Billy Horschel so where friends. did you where did you um... in Troon yes he there we go our, that one. he came to our house in Troon and I, I interviewed well. him in our living room if anyone would like to see that interview it's on our Facebook page it somewhere if the you Facebook can, live didn't we if you can dig it out and you'll see Nick wearing his waterproofs inside and get he got quite a lot of abuse for that I was really, really drawn to him as a character he's very charismatic I, really nice guy I know he gets a lot of flack but I think he's a, he's a top bloke doesn't he uh, what football team does he support? supports West Ham strangely and why is that uh, yeah. Oh, because he watched the film with uh, the guy who was in Lord of the Rings. Green Street. Green Street, yeah, that's right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Some uh, amazing Billy O facts there. But, uh, yeah, Dubuisson, he was playing well in Saudi Arabia. He played in the final group with, with GMAC. Obviously fell backwards, but it's been a while since he's been in contention. He's a good wind player, and it gets quite a lot of wind on this golf course because it's by the sea. So he's certainly someone I'll be looking out for this week. Yeah, I actually think that Hao Tong Lee, again, he, he's one that I think could do well this week because of the facts you've just said. He's played well at Opens before, though actually the Open he played at, he was particularly still, but I think he could have a very good year this year. So uh, for the rest of the better tips for the O-Man Open, do check out the Golf Monthly website or Google it or go to our Facebook page or, you know, you know how to work the internet, you know, you can find it. Moving on. We're going to quickly, and probably quite quickly, because this could escalate, talk about the Premier Golf League. There was an exclusive interview which Rick Shields, one of our top 25 coaches, had on his YouTube channel with the CEO of the Premier Golf League, Andrew Gardiner, in which we had, there was a few, perhaps some new facts about it or new hopes about what it's going to look like. What do we think? Did you listen to it? I have listened to some of it, I'm going to say. Yeah, I listened to it. I have no knowledge did. Uh, I didn't think we learnt a great deal, but it was good to see the man behind it. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I took from that interview, if you haven't seen it, listeners, it's well worth watching or listening. He doesn't seem 100% that it's going to go ahead. That's what I got from it. So I don't think it's going to go ahead. He didn't say it's going to happen. He seemed doubtful. He kept saying if and not when. So uh, I think McElroy may have 
really stunned. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so since the last podcast, Rory came out and has said that he actually was, he's not going to sign up to it. Uh, he says he, the more he finds out about it, he just doesn't think it sits right with alongside the European PJ Tours. Mickelson, on the other hand, sounds like he is very interested in it and actually could be signing up to it. And you're probably right. At the moment... It, I think it's very much in its infancy. We don't know whether it is going to happen or not. A lot of putting your finger up like you're in school at the moment. And Elliot's actually just elbowed Nick out of the way. This is incredible scenes. Uh, it did. It sounded a little bit like a pipe dream, not to be offensive at all. But it almost sounded like he was plucking things off the top of his head, like he was just pitching stuff. I know he says he's been doing it for six years and they've gone through everything. Uh, another thing that also surprised me was that he hasn't spoken to the PGA Tour about it because I think he knew what their answer would be how is it going to become a feeder tour when they haven't even spoken to it it just uh, it doesn't quite match up to me and I think I said this last week there's just too many hurdles I think the PGA Tour is too strong and uh, yeah I guess all will be revealed I know that Neil Tappen really thinks it's going to go ahead and I completely get that who's Neil Tappen? Uh, Golf Monthly's digital editor. Oh, yes, that's who it is. I completely get that perhaps it might be quite entertaining for viewers, but uh, it, it'll be a very interesting road for the next two years. My big takeaway listening to that interview was I actually don't think it's going to get off the ground. As you said, he used a lot of conditionals when he was talking about it, if it goes ahead, etc. McElroy's out. If Woods doesn't sign up to it, which I don't think he will because he has to play 18 tournaments between January and August, not including the major championships, and his body simply can't do that. So at the very least, they would have to substitute for him. So if someone like Kepka or DJ says they're out, then I think it, it falls apart because the whole ethos, the whole selling point is that it's the 48 best players in the world. And if they don't have the three or four biggest names in golf, then they're not being true to their own ethos. So I don't see how it can go ahead. I feel that it, it, I think it, it is going to happen, but not as we think at the moment. I don't think it's going to be this 18 tournament thing. I just, I mean, I don't think that makes That's too many. That that's, essentially means you can't play a European tour I think or PGA we looked, tour I think schedule. we looked, looked at this last year and we said how many tournaments did the main top players play. I think it's something like 23-24, something yeah. around that number. And if you think 18 plus four for the majors, plus weeks off, yeah. so I, I, I just, not going to play I just don't. I just tour. don't think... It, I think it will take off in some form, but I do not think it's going to be an 18-tournament event. I think it's going to be much smaller field, um, a much smaller schedule than that. Um, the one thing which has the biggest effect is that there is a lot of money going to be involved with this and there's going to be a lot of money thrown in it and that's the best way of getting the best players to come and play. I already have my thoughts on this that actually if they want to turn it into a team event I've said this in the last podcast why not involve some of the senior tours why not involve some of the female tours as well get them involved with it and actually make it a proper you know golf thing you know, involving yeah. all different ages and everyone around the world. And I think then it could be much more attractive for people to actually look at. The simple answer, though, is that the sponsors don't want that. They want the 48 best... If we're being honest, they want the 48 best male players in the world and they're providing the funding. So they're not, they don't actually want that. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But at the moment, I think they, they're finding out the issues. They knew that there's going to be issues around it. And Rory's 
probably looked at that and going, 18 events, oh, I don't think that's going to work, is it? I mean, what am I going to do for everything else? You know, I've got, I really need to go to this place and this place and this place. I want to go to that place. I don't think I should be told where to go for this other thing. Yeah. So You can't play a PGA Tour schedule and be part of the Premier Golf League as it stands currently. And we were discussing in the office earlier that maybe like a, something like a five-event schedule, almost a reimagining of the World Golf Championships, it might actually work. Yeah, I like think that, I think but eighteen I, is far. I don't too think many the WGCs are going anywhere either. To be honest with you, at the moment, but I think they need to work out the schedule. We've been saying this for a long time that the calendar, the golf calendar, is a bit all over the place. They moved things around last year. They put all the majors in one place. It has meant that we freed up a bit of time for the European Tour to get a bit more limelight. Uh, at the end of the PJ Tour, but then actually, we a lot of people said, "Oh, we didn't actually like all the majors being crammed in together." I know I say this a lot because I always bring it back to the sport which I really, uh, you know, I play a lot about. But cricket it has been dealing with this for the last few years. When you look at some things like the IPL and the other 2020 franchise leagues around the world, where people are no longer playing for their um, the, the national teams that they play, but not only that, not even the you know the county setup as well, because they're having out all these different opportunities to play around the world. Um, but they seem to have actually got their schedule kind of sorted out, so people can play almost in as many of them as they want to. I think golf is going to have to look like that. Mm. This just totally kills the PGA Tour. If, if, For, like, if, if com- commercially, it ruins the PGA Tour. It hampers their profits no end. So they're not going to take this line down. They're certainly not going. To sign up to being a feeder tour for a tour above them in theory uh, another issue i have is the team the 48 people who are, are playing in this from you know week in week out what if they get injured what if they have suffer this loss of form what if they're not motivated to train hard and practice a lot because they've got all this guaranteed money and therefore the, the product suffers as a result there's so many things that i don't like about it the thing i like the most about golf is seeing a complete random on a major leaderboard with someone like mackerel and kepka you lose all of that there's no fluidity in terms of who comes into the 48 throughout the course of the season. And I was honestly, I think my biggest point here is that you can have too much of a good thing. I really no, believe that. No, 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 I understand that. Well, I think this could potentially make it. I don't think they want to replace, you know, we don't want that, that massive tournament where anyone can win out of 150 players, that to be replaced. But it could add a nice new bit of drama to golf a little bit different not every week but every now and then which I think actually could be quite interesting and exciting if they get it right and there's an awful lot of hurdles for them to jump over we've already said that Um, none more than trying to get people to sign up however there is one thing which makes them sign up and that's the money so we will wait and see and we will have further updates I know you want to say more but we're going to we'll leave it there otherwise we're going to be here forever and a day um, on it and at the moment I think with the thing the Premier Golf League it's all hearsay, and we're all wondering what's going to happen here and there. So we will update you over the weeks when, no doubt, we will have further updates or non-updates about the Premier Golf League. Yeah, sorry. We are going to hear about player commitments very soon by the sound of it. So there should be a lot more news very soon. I know Mickelson said he'll know by the players, which is three weeks away. So, yeah... Um, yeah. I do real. wonder if I, do, I think Mickelson is um, yeah. Why wouldn't you I think Mickelson's the one that we we know is very interested in it Mickelson you know he's obviously coming 
he's, he's nearly 50, so actually mm. he's like thinking, do you know what, why not? I might just try and donate. I've, won, I've done almost everything else. He probably wants a team as well, doesn't he? Yeah, to he wants to do that. He, yeah. He's seeing this as an opportunity, you know, not just for the next year, but for, for future uh, down the line. So uh, I, do, I wonder if he's actually probably pressure. He's trying to pressurise other people to say, no, well, I'm going to get involved. Come on, get involved. If I'm involved, it's going to be good, isn't it? So, um, no, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. So we've got a couple of, uh, we asked for your reader questions or your listener questions. Um, over social media and we've got a couple which I wanted to talk about first one was on how does Rory McIlroy sort out his putting that was from Ballbag 20 <laughs> <laughs> that's B-A-W-B-A-G if anyone's wondering uh, on Twitter uh, how does Rory McIlroy sort out his putting I think we've he, already covered this a little bit today he needs a drastic change because it's been not elite for well you know but not world beating for long enough i think you should go back to a center shafted putter just had that thought because i remember when he was at his best <laughs> you, in you like, think about this way too much in um 2011 when he won the us open and was on top of the world uh no he's he on top actually. of the he's on top of the world now he's not putting badly is he he needs to change something drastically i disagree maybe um speak to adam scott start doing the broom handle um, Webb Simpson she puts up putting left handed whatever yeah does he use a performance coach I'm not sure the answer to this question because someone like Francesco Molinari started working with Dave Allred and turned himself from a below average putter into a, a much higher than average putter so perhaps he could consider working with someone like that elite performance coach and then I just think it's, it's repetitions isn't it it's practice time and the cons- you're saying you say Rory's not practicing I'm not no. saying that I'm not saying that but <laughs> The concern is that the fact that it's a balancing act, and if he starts putting more time into his putting, perhaps he starts losing the long no, game, which we don't want to see. We've we've said this before. The answer we've said this. He's said the same. We go back to Elliot and he's and he, him trying to rate par. It's all very well. I'm sure he he's incredible. You know he's he he he's going to practice all the time. I'm yeah, sure but the he, answer is I'm sure he feels you, very comfortable on the practice screen. The question is how does he do it? It's a very simple solution. You either get help or you spend more time sure working he, on it than you do currently. He, I, there's no magic wand that fixes no, no, it. No, no, I th- I think there's more. There's, there's a mental thing in there as well. You know, when you're out on a tournament green, it's completely different than if you're on a practice That's why I'm suggesting he works with a performance coach I like Dave Allred. He does. He does. He works with several people. So, um, you know, and and has done for many years. But so does he work with a performance coach? Uh, I don't think so. But he does work with Brad Faxon, who is yeah. uh, very similar, I guess. Um, well, Brad Faxon is one of the, be- the best in history of golf so which, which yeah. worked Different in 2018 it worked at Bay Hill when he won had the best putting week of his life it's worked quite a lot since but consistently it hasn't he's been he's world number one for a reason he can putt he's just we see him make we see him attempt every single putt so we see when he hits a bad one and I don't think I really don't think we should worry you know how he putted on those worry about it. we're just saying think how good he could be if he gets 10% better I'm going to say to the uh, person who presented that question in I said just you know be patient with him he's playing well next one from Stephanie Zinza uh, on Twitter again a bigger question it's quite long, actually. What is wrong with golf in that? How do we make changes that encourage new and younger players without losing those who already play? That's a bigger question. So we're saying, how do we get more people to play golf without losing the people who are already playing golf? I think maybe a solution, obviously this does cost money, is perhaps having more six and nine hole facilities 
where the new people to the sport can play whilst not necessarily disturbing the old people and the, the established guys. <laughs> the not the old, old, the established, the established people playing the sport who are set up. I don't know if you know, but uh, if you've got 18 holes of golf, you, you can't, don't have to play all of them. I, I understand that. You can play six. Maybe more six hole facilities, maybe adding things like simulators into your pro shop or something like that that will attract younger people that takes less time something like that and that way you don't disturb the people who just want to go and play 18 holes as they have done their whole lives that would be a way potentially is it fair to say that there is no solution to this and that golf is I have a solution no I have a solution money runs the world I have a solution and money is always going to and how much money is there in golf there's an awful lot of money in golf I mean outrageous amounts of money in golf especially at the top of the game it's outrageous amount of money there is there's not many sports I think which have the same you know we always look at the most of the highest paid sport you always get these lists the highest paid sportsmen yeah there's Tiger and Mickelson have been in that forever there's a lot of money in our game and there's a lot of people who play a game my, I have a very simple solution, which is that it's got to be put in front of more people's eyes, and it's got to be put on terrestrial TV or free-to-air TV or different kinds of ways of getting the sport out in front of people. Whether it means putting it on Netflix or whatever, I don't know, but it's got to be put in front of more people's eyes because that's the only way that people are going to go and play the game of golf if they actually see it. You know, they the old times of people going along and watching, maybe watching it with their their parents, and then deciding to go to the golf club. You know that ty- those times are gone because it, there is no sport. I'm talking about UK. Where there's no live golf on terrestrial TV this year for the first time since TV has been broadcast. Barring the Olympics. Barring the Olympics. Very very fair point, Elliot. I had actually forgotten about the Olympics, but absolutely barring the tournament which is going to be shown in Korea at 2am in Japan. In, uh, sorry, in Japan at 2am in August that is the only live trishula, and that will be behind the red button or on a, on a different there is nothing to be shown there's no terrestrial masters yes there's highlights like anyone's going to watch the highlight of the masters at 2am um, and this is going to have a huge effect on it we're already losing generations of golfers and this is just not gonna. That's it's something that which until it gets sorted out is we're gonna we're gonna be lost. Can I respond? Do you know I fundamentally disagree with almost everything that you just said. Uh, that's what I, th- I think. I think it's such an antiquated, lazy argument to say that because it's not on terrestrial television, people aren't seeing it. More people are seeing it, and if you think that some random sixteen-year-old is just gonna sit in front of Netflix and randomly select to watch golf and then sit there and be captivated by it, I think you're quite deluded. Also, what I would I, say... I, I, it's not about that. It's about giving them the option to have that. I'm not saying every 16-year-old to do it. And also, when you say it's on more places, do you mean, oh, it gets shown on a bit on YouTube? No, or it gets YouTube, a bit, oh, you get sh- Twitter feeds, oh, you know, no, highlights no, everywhere. No, sorry, that's... I think, highlights all over Twitter, know, Facebook. If, if I go and look at the the shots which are on, t- on Twitter at the moment, it'll be that bloke who shanked it on St Andrew's first tee will be everywhere, and it'll be someone else mucking about and it'll be something about Patrick Reed. it actually won't have anything to do with actually watching the golf and about the game of golf I just think the thought process that someone sits down and I'm sorry the, sorry the numbers are falling Nick the f- numbers okay, are falling let me counter with this in the era that the BBC broadcast 
several golf tournaments, participation was falling in that era too. So it's clearly a complex issue with more strands coming into it than just sticking golf on terrestrial television. Because if ter- golf on terrestrial television did inspire people to pick up clubs and play, then participation would have grown in the era that it was on terrestrial TV. I'm not saying there's so many different factors that go into this. I think that you can almost see... I think it's used as... as the an- amount of go- golf tournaments which they use... Look, think back in the 80s and 70s, we used to have live golf. You used to have celebrity golf. You used to have all these different kinds of things on. And that was when we only had four channels. You know, there used to be loads of tournaments. There used to be Wentworth. I can remember watching the match play at Wentworth and Ernie Els- Ellswinning. That was me. That's before I was working with Golf Monthly. I was a teenager. You know, those, those events are not going to be seen now. I can remember Nick Faldo playing in the Masters or winning the Masters. That's now not going to happen. How many millions of people watched Tiger Woods win the Masters last year on the Sunday? I think it was something like 12 million. All this, though, the coverage is too expensive. That's why BBC don't have it. Why people aren't playing? Too expensive. Is that no, it? No, Golf not. is just too expensive. It's not. It's stop. the fact that I think it's sometimes used as an easy excuse. So why isn't golf going on? Because it's not on terrestrial TV. The fact is there is an inherent ceiling with golf in the sense that in this era where everything must happen quickly and no one has attention spans, it takes a bloody long time to play. And that is what's restricting growth more than anything else. I I really don't, because why do people... So at the moment, why do people play cricket? So I know I keep on talking about cricket, but cricket takes a long time. Cricket... Has actually these numbers of actually participation have actually gone up in the last couple of years, and some of that has been by trying to get more of the cricket onto terrestrial TV. It's going to be cricket back on terrestrial TV this year because of the hundred things like that. You know, the World Cup, some of that was on terrestrial TV. So the final, yeah, you know, no, and some of the other uh, some of the other games. I think got, got, got Were they? Yeah, I think there has there was two others that I think that got put on. I think off the top of my head, um, but yeah, football things like that. Those numbers. Are not be you know they push it out on terrestrial TV still, but that's a ninety-minute expectation from some quarters that golf can has the potential to become like a massively mainstream sport, and I don't agree with that at all. I think because you say golf isn't a mainstream sport to the extent of a football, for example, or an NFL. There is a cap in the interest in golf because of the nature of the sport, and that's always going to be the millions of golfers around the world. It's a pretty, it's a it's a pretty mainstream sport. If you're going Some to look people at talk it, about the growth it, of the game like it could one day be as popular as football. It's never going to get no, to that levels. No, 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 because of the very nature of the it. The growth of the game, I think, is to keep the actual is to keep the golf courses of this country still being able to 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 be actually upkept and being being used. That's the go- the growth of the game. I don't think they want to go so it's so huge that there's not enough places for people to play there's more than enough places to play golf and actually that's one of the main things if you actually go around anywhere you'll find a golf facility pretty much anywhere in the country so that is incredibly when you when you think about it, the actual potential reach is massive but there is places which are just shutting down because they can't get enough people to get through the gates and because it's a niche sport in terms of skill set required in terms of time required to play it I remember Lee Westwood said last year that golf is fundamentally too hard as well. Golf so is golf is very. There hard. are some massive barriers facing entry and so Nick, I, keeping people playing. Nick, I, at the moment, you seem to have like shouted down my arm, which is fine. But what is your solution? It's not an easy solution. I think it's having more facilities like Top Golf. I think it's having six-hole golf clubs. I think it's having nine-hole golf clubs. I think it's having golf clubs with simulators. I think it's having golf clubs where people turn up and have lunch and dinner and don't necessarily play and creating this more welcoming environment. Honestly, I think golf could do with a massive P 
PR makeover, to be honest with you, um, because some of the old issues are still holding it back. And I don't think actually, you know, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And actually, some of the ones, some of the golf clubs need to probably think out the box more and more. Obviously, it does cost money, though, all those things as well. It does. And the way to get yeah. the money is to get more people through the gate. So. Exactly. I think we've had it's a, a tough good, time I think ever. we've had a good chat about that and gone on and on about it. Uh, and the last reader question, which I'm going to talk about, is the new handicap system, the world handicap system, which comes into play in November. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Elliot, sorry, yeah. You've fallen asleep. Wales now. and Scotland, I believe. Exactly. And it's going to mean that there's going to be quite a few different rules, and people are worried that people are going to be able to have an inflated handicap. Um, do you think this is going to have a big effect? Do we think it's going to have a huge effect? Or people just going to get used to it? I think it's going to be perfectly fine, yeah. I, um, Robert McEhinney... All said. <laughs> apologies if that's wrong. That's, your, that's um, the person who's asked the question, by the way. Talks about people cheating and taking advantage of it by playing bad all winter and then have a nice high handicap for the summer. Uh, it's not going to be based solely on your last 20 rounds it's going to take historical data into effect as well. If you want to cheat, then fair enough. If get want, out of the game. I mean, if you, want to che- if you want to cheat at golf, you can do it, can't you? It's, it's easy to have yeah. inflate your handicap. It's easy to not put cards in. It's easy to... Smash know. one OB on purpose. Exactly. There's loads of things people can do. It. The whole point of golf is actually you're not supposed to be doing that. You know, we don't want... And hopefully the people who do do that get called out on it and maybe they don't understand the issues that they're having with it. Um, Nick's all usually got a dodgy handicap. Do you think this is going to make you have, have you a better got handicap? a dodgy handicap as well, but the wrong way. Look, I haven't got a dodgy handicap. You're a bandit and you're the opposite of a bandit. I'm What's not, an opposite I'm, of a bandit? I'm terrible at golf now. Well, yeah, you actually have got quite bad. Last time, do you know the last round of golf I played? Um, I was part of a team which shot 59 round princes. Do you, can you remember that, Elliot? Where you probably hit about three shots. I I must have shot up. I must have used about seven or so. Um, But I don't. But golf's. But I'd much rather. I think golf's. That's one of golf's challenges, isn't it? Actually, not always going to win. And people, people have got to understand that they can't always shoot forty points. You scored a four. You shot forty points. Does anyone call you a bandit at the weekend because you shot forty points? No. That's nice because people hopefully realise that you actually play every week and that is a proper handicap and it was one of your one of your amazing rounds where you suddenly maybe leapt up and and learnt how to you know to play golf a little bit better um, and that's the whole point of of the handicap system. If yeah. people don't like handicap systems, then all we can do is everyone can play off scratch and then that will ruin the game of golf even more because the whole point is that anyone can play anybody. If you're a bandit and you're purposely making your handicap higher than what it should be, then your mates are going to know. You're probably not going to have any mates because they won't like you because of it. <laughs> and Yeah, there's no place in that for golf. If someone's doing that, you can satisfy yourself with the fact that you're getting more enjoyment out of the game than they are because if they're doing that stuff, they're clearly doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You've got a bit of a dodgy handicap, haven't you, Nick? Well, this, it's tricky because I'm not a member of a golf club. I live in central London. I try and maintain a handicap as best as possible by applying rises and falls as they would be applied if I was a member. So you're not in, you're not in court. Don't 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 worry. But don't worry. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Nothing. Relax. Relax on it. Yeah. Don't don't bite on it. That that's it. We're only winding up. Calm down. I haven't had 36 points for about two years, but I still get called a bandit. That's a lie. It's not uh, even a lie. <clears throat> anyway, I'm gonna leave it there. 
on that handicap but you know that's a nice easy question to finish with the handicaps i think that we're going to try and do a bit more stuff around the new handicap system coming in in november because a lot of people are going to be uh, talking about it um so do check it out over the next few months on the website also on our social media at golf monthly on instagram and twitter and golf monthly magazine on facebook thanks for listening we'll be back next week to preview a huge week at bay hill for the arnold palmer invitational and also of course please leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen to us and don't forget to subscribe to us via your usual podcast provider. Elliot, Nick, it's been an emotional day. Thanks for your time. next week. Thank you Indeed. Thanks a lot. Let's hope you get 44 points next week. That would be amazing. Yeah, um, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, we'll talk to you again next week.